0: I still want to continue in a series of sermons on prayer. And in this series of sermons, what I've been hoping and praying will happen to us is that throughout this this time of meditating on what the scriptures teach us about prayer would inspire us to grow in our prayer life, to become people of prayer, a church of prayer, and to encourage us to continue to pray when when we lose heart. If we're being honest, however, I think we have to admit that prayer is often a struggle for us. No matter how long you've been a Christian, no matter how long you've been at it, prayer can sometimes be a struggle. And sometimes the struggle to pray is a practical struggle. What are we to pray about? How should we pray? How do I make time for prayer? So sometimes the struggle is practical and sometimes the struggle to pray has to do with our thinking. Intellectual questions arise. Doubts can surface as we think about prayer. That's what I want to tackle this morning. I want to take a time out on an exposition of the Lord's Prayer and just deal with one particular problem that we might have when it comes to prayer. And it goes like this, and I wonder if you've ever thought this. Since God is God, his will is going to be accomplished. God is all-knowing. God is all-powerful. We're not informing him of anything he doesn't already know. So, therefore, isn't it the case that asking him to do something doesn't really make sense? A lot of sense. I wonder if anybody has ever thought that way. Since God is God, his will will be done. So why ask God for anything? Why ask God for anything except for the grace to bear whatever he sends our way? And of course, that is a valid prayer to ask God for grace to bear whatever he sends our way. God, your grace is sufficient for me. The Apostle Paul prayed that when his prayer was not answered to have the thorn removed from his flesh. But God said, my grace is going to be sufficient for you. That was the answer to Paul's prayer. But is that all there is to prayer? Just to to pray, God, give me the grace to bear whatever you send my way because after all, your will is going to be accomplished. Well, if that's all there is to prayer, then really it doesn't make sense for us to ask God for anything. It really undercuts petitionary prayer. If our prayers don't make a difference to God ultimately, then it would be like saying to the person next to you before the service gets started, listen, would you go over, I forgot my bulletin. Would you go in the back and get me a bulletin? Now, I know it doesn't matter what I say to you. It, it, I'm not going to change you in any way. It doesn't make any difference what I ask you. But would you please go and get the bulletin for me? Well, that's not a real petition. In fact, the person receiving that might think that you're insulting them or you're playing the trick on them, joking with them. But the New Testament teaches very clearly that we are to ask God and to petition Him and then we are to expect that He is going to respond and that He is going to answer our prayers. So Jesus says in Luke 11, verse 9, Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. I think part of our struggle when we are in that season of doubt and difficulty with prayer, I think part of our struggle with petitionary prayer is when we begin to lose sight of the character of God as Jesus has revealed Him. And I think I touched on this when I first began this series, but it's good for us to remind ourselves of what Jesus says about the character of the God to whom we're praying. And sometimes we can think, you know, God is so transcendent. God is so majestic. God is the eternal creator and sustainer of everything. Does he really care about little old me here in St. Louis, Missouri, and about my problems and about my family and what's going on in my life? So to pray in faith, we need to have faith in the character of God. And that's why Jesus in Luke 11, after he gives the Lord's prayer, remember, he gives the Lord's prayer. We have two versions of it. We have it in the Sermon on the Mount and then we have it in Luke 11. I think those are different occasions and different contexts for Jesus to give this prayer. But in Luke 11, after giving the Lord's prayer, Jesus teaches a couple of parables about the character of God. If you have your Bibles, you can look at this Luke chapter 11, starting in verse five. I think we'll show it up on the screen. If we have it and we have pew few Bibles available for you as well. But these are two parables. Jesus says, I want you as you pray to think about God this way. And the first parable is about a neighbor, a reluctant neighbor. Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. Now, that, of course, was a great insult in that culture. Friend shows up in the middle of the night. You're expected as a good host in Mideast culture to have something for them. So uh, this so-called friend will answer, do not bother me. The door is now shut. My children are in bed with me. We just finally got the kids down. I can completely relate to that guy. I cannot get up and give you anything. And Jesus says, I tell you, though he will not get up and give you anything because he's a friend, implying here that Gee, this guy's not really a very good friend, yet because of his impotence, because of his persistence, because of the continual knocking and asking, he will get up and give whatever the neighbor asks. And Jesus is saying, if your so-called friend who really doesn't want to get out of bed and help you will finally get up out of bed. If you ask him enough times, how much more will God answer your prayers? Because God is better than the reluctant friend. This is one of these arguments. How much more arguments that Jesus oftentimes uses. The second parable is similar. Again, what Jesus is doing here is He wants us to understand the character of God. Yes, God is majestic. Yes, God is transcendent and holy. He's the creator and sustainer of all things. But the radical thing that Jesus is teaching His disciples is that this same God loves and cares for you in the details of your life. And so He says, God is like a father who wants to give good gifts to their children. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him instead... Of a fish, a serpent. Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. What loving father would be that cruel? And then Jesus says, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts. How? There it is. How much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So therefore, based on who God is, based on his character, he is not reluctant to respond to your request. He is like a good father who wants to give you good gifts Based on that, Jesus says, Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. So, brothers and sisters, as believers in Jesus Christ, this is the God we are praying to. This is the God who cares about us. Whenever you doubt that God hears you, cares about you, or your family, your children, your job, the decisions that you face. Whenever you think that God is distant from you and doesn't really want to be bothered by you or is reluctant to hear your prayer, remember what Jesus is saying about the character of God. He's a good Father who wants to give us good gifts. Sometimes it's a struggle to even believe Jesus' words because our experience doesn't really match. What Jesus is teaching here. We're confronted with unanswered prayer in our life. And it makes it hard for us to trust in the words of Jesus. Paul Miller writes about a time when he was camping with his family. He has Paul Miller, this book that I've been reading that has inspired this series of sermons on prayer, has six children. And he decided to give his wife a break and to take the kids camping. His wife said she had sworn off camping for Lent because their last <laughs> camping time was a disaster. And so he, he, Paul Miller, gets in the car, takes five of the of the six kids, and uh, when they get to the campsite, his 14-year-old daughter, Ashley, lost her contact lens. And, you know, 14-year-old girls have a certain way of responding to things. And she was freaking out, and uh, it was becoming difficult there the. The, the, the forest is covered, of course, with leaves and twigs. How are you ever going to find this? And so Paul, her dad, says, well, let's just pray. Let's stop and pray and ask God to help us. And at that point, 14-year-old Ashley just burst into tears. And she said, Dad, what difference does it make? Because I've been praying for Kimmy her whole life, and she still doesn't speak. See, they have a daughter who is, is severely disabled and has been in speech therapy and... She's been praying for uh, for this sister of hers. Kim is Jill's sister. And uh, and Paul Miller says Ashley was expressing something that that I think oftentimes we often feel, but we repress it. The fear that, you know what, in spite of what Jesus says, there's a slingering suspicion. Maybe God doesn't hear or God doesn't care. And so he said in that moment, I was afraid for my daughter's faith. And I said, God, it would be a very good time for you to come through right now. <laughs> and he just sent up one of those arrow prayers. You know, Father, please listen to this prayer. Help us find this contact. He prayed that out loud. And he said, when I finished, we bent, we bent down to look through the twigs and the branches. And there was a contact on leaf. Prayer made a difference. Why does God hear that prayer and not heal his daughter Kim? That's something that he wrestles with throughout the book. Actually, Kim did learn to speak through the help of computer software. But the point is that in this instance, prayer made a difference. And I think sometimes God responds to those kinds of prayers. Prayer about seemingly small things just to remind us, you know what? When you knock, I'm on the other side. When you call, I hear you. When you open, when you press on the door, I will open it. I am on the other side. I am with you. I care about you. Sometimes the answer, as we said a couple of weeks ago, sometimes if the request is not right, the answer is no. Sometimes if the timing's not right, the answer is slow. Sometimes if we're not right, the answer is grow. And then sometimes when the timing is right and everything's lined up, the request is right, the answer is Go. But God does answer. God cares. Well, what about this intellectual problem? The question that I started out with. If God is God and His will is going to be accomplished anyway, what sense does it, does it make to petition Him in prayer? And here I think is at least part of the answer to that. Yes, God's ultimate will is going to be accomplished. No doubt about it. God is going to have His way. His kingdom is going to come. His will is going to be done praise His sovereign name. But our prayer can influence the way that He accomplishes His will. I mean, what God has done in prayer, what God has designed is that He has willed that our prayers are one means of accomplishing His will. Do you catch that? God has willed that He will use our prayers to accomplish His will. And the classic example of our prayers making a difference in how God's will unfolds is found in Exodus chapter 32. Again, if you have your Bibles that you want to turn there, I think maybe we'll have this on the screen as well. But Exodus 32 is a great illustration of the fact that our prayers make a difference to God. God has just given Moses the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. And at the very time when God is giving Moses the Ten Commandments, what are the people of Israel doing? They're breaking the Ten Commandments. They start on number one and number two. You know, they have they they built this this uh, this golden calf. And so God tells Moses in his righteous anger, He's going to wipe out the people of Israel and he's going to start over. And he says, Moses, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And what does Moses do? Moses begins to pray. Moses begins to petition God. He intercedes. He cries out, God, remember the promises you made to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Why should the Egyptians say with evil intent that he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? And then verse 14 says this, if we have it up there, verse 14 says, and the Lord relented. You see, Moses reminded God of his promises. He petitioned God. And then verse 14, it made a difference. The Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. So God is still a God of justice. His character did not change. He's also a God of mercy. But if you read that chapter at the end, it says that God visited a plague upon the people of Israel. So he still punished sin. His character didn't change. But Moses' prayer made a difference. The judgment was tempered because of Moses' intercession. Our prayers matter to God. And I think God has designed it this way. God has designed it this way to give us what Pascal, the French philosopher, calls the dignity of causation. As his people, God invites us to be part of how he accomplishes his purposes. The dignity of being a cause, of partnering with him through prayer and working out his purposes. The dignity of causation through prayer. Sometimes when I'm cooking or Josie is cooking in the kitchen. Josie cooks more than me. Um, but here come the kids, the toddlers bounding in. We want to help, Dad. We want to help, Mom. Uh-oh. You know, if you're a parent, a grandparent, you know how that, what that means. Things are going to get messy. It's going to become more complicated. They don't know how to use the mixer. You know, you could do the cookies and the meatballs a lot quicker if they would just get out of your way and get out of the kitchen. But this is how they learn. And this is how they grow and uh, and they can experience the dignity through helping you of being the cause of something good. And they're very proud about it when it's over and there's a sense of accomplishment and pride on their end. And then from the parent, it's good to, to help them fulfill that that desire. The other day I came home and Lydia brought something out of the freezer. She said, look, Daddy, what I've made. And it was ice cube, ice cube tray <laughs> in different shapes. Proud of your daughter. You're on your way, you know. <laughs> but she was thrilled. The dignity of being a cause of something good. And that's part of what prayer is about. It makes a difference. So today is Transfiguration Sunday. And as Jesus prayed, God revealed the glory of who Jesus is. Jesus, face changed. Maybe his face shone with the same kind of glory that happened to Moses on Mount Sinai. Jesus' clothes became dazzling white like a flash of lightning. And then Moses, the great lawgiver, and Elijah, the great prophet, appear with Jesus in mystical fashion, saying that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. And then God himself speaks and says, This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. What a privilege it is to know this Christ of glory. And splendor. What a privilege it is to claim Him as our Lord and Savior and a high calling to carry on His mission, but in order to do that, it takes prayer. To carry on the mission of Christ. Remember what happens after the Transfiguration. Peter comes down, or Jesus comes down the mountain with Peter, James, and John. The rest of the disciples are trying to cast out a demon out of a uh, out of a boy, and they can't do it. It doesn't work. And later the disciples say to Jesus, they get him alone. They're kind of embarrassed about what happened, and they say, What why weren't we able to cast out the demon? And he says, This happens through prayer. If you want to carry on my mission, it happens. Through prayer. God is calling our church. At this season. Especially at this season. Where we're thinking. Even this Sunday. We're thinking about our future. God is calling us to become a people. Of prayer. To believe that he hears our prayers. Like a good father. And he will give us. What we need. Whatever the future holds. Our good father will give us. Whatever we need for the glory of His Son, if we ask in faith. Let's pray.